house of the Lord this morning so we can come in and we can study the word of God this morning. I walked out of my bedroom this morning and Kaylin looked at me and she said, Mama, you look like you're going to court. I didn't know if that was a compliment or <laughs> if, if that was, uh, I'm not quite sure, but then she told me, she said, no, that's a compliment. She said, you look like you're going to court. And I got to thinking about that on the way to church this morning. And I got to thinking, yes, I'm going to court. Every day we go to court so that we can proclaim the name of Jesus. Amen. So that we can uh, take the case before those that do not know the Lord as their personal Savior. And let them know that they can transform their life when they find Christ. And that's what the uh, lesson is about today is how we are transformed. And the only way we can be transformed if we are transformed when we accept Christ as our personal Savior. I heard a statement made the other day that um, Christ does not change you. It's you just step into the walk that you were supposed to be in. And I immediately went, uh, no, that's not right. Because, Sister Sarah, if it was not for Christ, I would not be who I am today. Christ is who changed me. Christ is who transformed me. And we need to give Christ the glory for transforming us. It is nothing with me. I can't do anything. But it's the blood of Christ that transformed me today. Amen. One of the central truths for today's lessons is Christians should reflect Christ's transforming power in their lives every day. And the golden text is, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. As we're looking at the lesson, I want us to see that the Bible identifies Christians as strangers and as pilgrims, I one time preached a message in a youth service about we are aliens because that's what Christ calls us. He call, says we are aliens of this world. And I took green balloons and blew them all up and made different faces on them to make them look like aliens and put them out through the sanctuary. And when the young people come in, they was looking around at the different faces and they said, what is this? And I said, well, what do you think? They're green, so they're aliens. But I said, we are aliens in Christ. But the scripture also tells us we are strangers and we are pilgrims. Our citizenship that we do have in Christ, it is in heaven. But we still maintain a citizenship here on earth. But I'm glad that my citizenship is not just here on this earth. I'm glad that one day I'll go to heaven and I'll be in my true citizenship. I'll be truly where I belong. Amen. But we are called to live by certain principles of God's kingdom while we are here on this earth. As Christians... We have experienced that new birth, and we have been adopted into the family of God. One of the things I love to say is that we have had a blood transfusion into the family of God. Because if it wasn't, again, for the Christ, for the blood of Christ, we would not have had that blood transfusion. So I'm glad that we have had that blood transfusion, and we have been adopted into the family of God. We are not perfect, and we will not be perfect until Christ calls us home. 
but I don't know about you, I'm ready for that trumpet to sound. I'm hearing, longing to hear that trumpet to sound. But there's one thing I do know that I still say, God, give us time to bring more souls into you. God, give us a little bit longer to bring more souls into you. But when we're here on this earth, we need to live a life separate from the world. I'm not telling you to not go out into the world because if we don't go out into the world, we can't bring the lost in. But we need to go out into the world, bring the lost in, but yet still live a separate life unto God. But before we accept Christ into our hearts, we love the world. There was things out in the world that we loved and we wanted to do, but then we accepted Christ. You had to separate yourself from those things. You could no longer go out and do the things that you used to do. You had to change your life. You had to be transformed. But when we became reconciled to God, we then truly became estranged from this world. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. And that's one thing we need to realize is that, yes, we are in this world. And, yes, we need to know what's going on about us. But we don't have to be of this world. We can live our separate lives unto Christ. Charles Swindle said, If you are a Sunday Christian, you will not stand alone when outnumbered. Apart from a personal and vital faith in Christ, it is impossible to wage a winning effort against the system called the world. COVID has even stopped people from coming to church and stopping those Sunday Christians. It was hard before COVID to get people to come into church. You had your Sunday morning Christians. You had your holiday Christians. And then you had one of my favorites. I'm a Christian. I'm just not going to church and be around all them hypocrites. I can't stand to hear that. That irritates me when I hear that. That makes my righteous indignation get stirred up and get heated. I cannot stand because to me you're just as much as a hypocrite as who you're calling the ones in the church you are not coming to serve the people in the church you're coming to serve God you're coming to give glory to God and one of his commandments says was that we were to come together and so I believe that you are to come together no matter how many hypocrites you think is in the church you need to come because maybe if you come and obey the spirit maybe all them hypocrites will come to the altar and get saved maybe you'll come to the altar and get saved <laughs> ouch oh me or oh my one of the two <laughs> but now COVID has caused a lot of people to be lazy and they have now become couch Christians is what I call them I've heard some people even say I don't go to the actual building but I do go to church I watch them religiously online and if something come up, I will watch it when I have downtime. I just love live streaming because I can now fit church into my schedule. I actually had someone tell me that the other day. I looked at them, and with all love that I could possibly have, I said, honey, it is not that we are to fit God into our schedule. It is that we are to fit into God's schedule. 
You cannot expect blessings. You cannot expect the outpouring of God's anointing if you don't take your time and put it into God's time. It's not us taking God's time and putting it in our, our time, but it's we need to come out from this world, separate from this world, and we need to make sure we go back to that first love, which is God, and we put ourselves in the time of God. Amen? And the only way that we can do this and make sure we get right in to his timing is that we are renewed in our mind. We have to be renewed in the mind. And if we look at Ephesians chapter 4, we find out that in the first 16 verses of this chapter that Paul is emphasizing unity. He's putting a plea to the believers that they need to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ. Then after he shares the seven major areas of unity, he then points out areas that there can even be diversity in the church, but you can still maintain unity. And that brings us to verses 17 through 19 of Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at that. And it reads, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, and the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Beginning in verse 17 here, we find that the intent is to recognize the influences of the past on your life. But it's time you also realize that you need to take the influences of your past and you need to throw them off. You need to make sure you establish new ones. And the new ones that you establish is you need to establish in the anointing. You cannot establish new traits unless you have the anointing and the leadership of God. And we need to make sure that we take off the old man and we put on the new. He's telling us that you have had... You've had consequences that you've had to face. You've had things from the issues in the past that is causing you to have eternal consequences. But he's also telling you that if you throw off the old and you put on the new, that God will give you the power to overcome those consequences. He is challenging the Ephesians here that they need to live a life different from the Gentiles because the Gentiles, the ones that had not come to Jesus at this time, the ones that had not come had still served a pagan God. And he's telling them, you've got to come out from among them because if you don't come out from among them, they'll literally pull you in and you'll start serving their pagan God. That is one reason I have always been told you don't study about demons. Because if you get yourself too deep in studying about satanic worship and demons and everything, you'll cause yourself to be demon-possessed. You'll cause yourself to step in a place that you don't need to step in. And God is using Paul to warn them that you have got to come out from among them because if you don't, they will pull you into their lifestyle. That's what Satan wants. He wants to pull us in. But at the beginning here, he is telling them 
that their mind is include which includes their conscience and their affections he's telling them you have to adopt a mind of Christ because when you adopt a mind of Christ you have a spiritual truth and you have moral values that will triumph over the enemy in verse 18 Paul is describing the condition of the pagans he's telling them and that you need to understand the darkened speaks of the inner spiritual darkness. When you have not come to Christ, there is a spiritual darkness that is within you. But when you accept Jesus, there is an inner enlightenment that comes within you. Because why? Jesus is the light. But through Adam eating the forbidden fruit. Now I know... You men say it was woman's fault because she hadn't ate that fruit. I heard the amen. I see the head shaking. <laughs> but if she hadn't ate that fruit, then we'd still been in the Garden of Eden. Well, I know I'm a woman, but I'm going to tell you you're wrong because Adam could have walked up and he could have said, I'm sorry, but you should not have ate of that fruit. And then God would have got rid of, of Eve and Adam would have had a new wife Adam did not have to sin because Eve sinned he could have literally stopped right then and there but he didn't unfortunately he gave in and I know if mama ain't happy ain't nobody happy <laughs> but here's the point he's got his own will we all have our own will and he gave in and he ate of that forbidden fruit and because of that at that point in time we all became estranged from God I mean he walked in the garden of Eden with God right beside him and he still gave in to the enemy that, lets, that should let you know the enemy is definitely out there to kill, to steal, and destroy. And we need to make sure we have the mind of Christ because if we have the mind of Christ, we can triumph over that darkness that tries to come up against us. But that final phrase in verse 18 says, due to the hardness of the hearts. That is an insensitivity that is described in verse 19. It's callousness of the heart. That keeps a person from experiencing the moral pain when committing acts of sin. The debt and type of sense are pursued with greediness. One can make a business of practicing and enabling others in indulging in sensuality. And an example of this is pornography. I looked up these statistics from an article in a Baptist news that was dated January 2021. This is very sensitive information. And it will make you cringe. But I hope it will also make you pray. More than 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. The average visit lasts 6 minutes and 29 seconds. There are around 42 million porn websites, which totals around 370 million pages of porn. The porn industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB combined. 
It is also more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 11 years old is the average age that a child is first exposed to porn. And 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. Think of your children and your grandchildren. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 70% of Christian youth pastors report that they have had at least one teen come to them for help in dealing with pornography in the past 12 months. 68% of church-going men and more than 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively search for porn. 59% of pastors said married men seek their help for porn use. 33% of women ages 25 and under search for porn at least once per month. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say that they never have watched porn 87% of Christian women have. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. 57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. And 69% say porn has adversely impacted the church. Now here's the sad part. Only 7% of pastors say their church has a program to help people that are struggling with pornography. Church, we need, when I said a while ago, it'll make you cringe, and I hope that it makes you pray. We need to pray because the devil is doing everything he possibly can to destroy the churches and destroy the homes. And if he can get in one avenue, he will definitely do it. And yes, I know we're using live stream for the church. And yes, I know that that is good. But the enemy is also in those avenues of the internet. And what we need to do is pray that when they search for certain things, somehow or another, technology is not always perfect, but somehow or another, they will be led to Coosa Valley Church of God's website, and they will find and hear about somebody. Somebody needs to help me. They will find and hear about a man called Jesus Christ. And I can tell you it can happen if we start praying and seeking after the face of Jesus. Jesus has the power to overtake the internet. And it's something that, yes, we may struggle with, but I'm telling you, there is a difference when you allow the Spirit to transform you because it then immediately becomes a way of life. I want us to look at verses 20 and 24 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, 
as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. No one, no one can claim salvation and still remain and maintain the old ways of their thinking and their doing. There's something that I, I used to say a lot of times when you get saved, you got to get rid of that old, stinky, dirty mind. And you need to keep the mind of Christ. Well, I didn't think dirty thoughts. I didn't think stinky thoughts. If you was not thinking on the Word of God, if you was not thinking on God, then yes, they are because they're either you either have the light of God or you have the darkness of Satan. And that's why we got to get rid of that stinky thought habits. And we need to get into the mind of Christ. And if we get into the mind of Christ, we then are able to experience him, experience him through his divine and his redemptive work. That redemptive and divine work that he done on the cross. Because if it wasn't for the cross, we would have nothing today. Amen? But it's because of that blood that he shed that we can come to him in an intimate relationship with him. But we must put off the old man and we must put on the new man. Just like Wednesday night we sung the song, I never shall forget the day. I never shall forget that day when Jesus took all my sins away. Amen. I know where I was. I know where I was headed. And if it hadn't have been for God picking me up out of that miry clay and setting my feet on the right path, I would not be before you today. But it's because that we took off that old nature and now we have a new nature that reflects the qualities of the Holy Spirit which is righteousness and true holiness. I want to make sure that I'm holy, not holier than thou, but that I'm holy. And if we make sure that we have the mind of Christ, and if we are holy before God because he is holy and we are to be like him, then I'm going to tell you one of my favorite sayings is, if you're going to walk the walk, then you need to talk the talk. But a lot of times we say we are walking the walk, but we can't talk the talk because we don't know anything that's in this Bible. So if you're going to walk the walk, you need to make sure that you can also know what's in this word. Amen? And be able to talk the talk as well. But how does this transformation take place? The beauty of of life in Christ is that we're not in this struggle alone. We don't have to do this by ourselves, but rather the Holy Spirit is there with us and empowering us to do what would be impossible alone. By ourselves, we would fail to renew our minds. We lack the power to bring about the needed transformation. But many times we have even lacked the desire to be renewed. When anger, 
when frustration and the desire that we want to get vengeance on our own floods our minds, we need to realize that the Holy Spirit is there and enables us to push beyond and become that Christ-like spirit. So I once heard, and if some of you follow me on Facebook, you might have seen this. And I, I, because I preach Wednesday night, I didn't start studying the Sunday school lesson because otherwise I'll get them, you know, I'll be preaching the Sunday school lesson on Wednesday night. So I usually wait till after Wednesday night to look at the lesson. And Thursday morning I went on to work and I started thinking about being Christ-like. And I had heard... Um, someone once say that forgiveness is in the Bible, but we are to forgive, but forgive is not in the Bible. And I got to thinking about that, and me and my daddy was talking, and he said, well, it kind of is because you have to be Christ-like. And if you have to be Christ-like, I got to thinking about that. Well, if I'm going to be Christ-like, what does that mean? Well, Isaiah 43, 25 tells us, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And then in the New Testament, Hebrews 10, 7, the Lord says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. So if we are to be like Christ, we have to forgive and we have to forget. We have to make sure that we are like Christ. And ain't you glad that when you come to Christ and maybe you sin and you said, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me, that he don't bring up what you did 10 years ago? Well, I forgave you 10 years ago, so why should I forgive you today? No, when he forgives, he literally throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. And they are as far as the east is from the west. But one thing we need to make sure is you need to still be smart. You can forgive and you can forget, but you don't need to continue to put yourself in the situations that cause you to try your Christ-likeness. Or like I say, you're trying to uh, stir my feathers up on my righteous indignation. You've got to make sure that you don't give place to the devil. Jesus said that Satan is a liar and he's the father of lies. Since this is true for believers, we do not need to lie one to another. Because if we do, we are playing right into the devil's devices. But Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and we belong to Jesus, so therefore we belong to truth. Amen? If we do not, then we belong to the darkness. But we are no longer of the world, so our actions need to make sure that they are changing to the reflect the new creations we have become. We need to put off that old self, and we need to replace it with the new self. So we put off that faulted and we put on the willingness to speak the truth. There is an old song, and I don't know if I may can even begin to do it, but because we had practice this morning, so we done been singing a little bit. You can tell it in my voice. Too early to sing. <laughs> but there's an old song called Praise the Lord. And one of the verses goes, now Satan is a liar, 
And he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself we're children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ, he's risen. So the work's already done. I told you I couldn't hit that high note, but we need to praise the Lord because when we praise the Lord, Satan cannot have the victory over us. Amen. When we lift up and praise God, the Lord, we have that power and we have that authority that Jesus gave us. Amen. Looking at verses 25 through 28 of this same chapter. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. In verse 26 of that text, we see that anger is not necessarily sinful. There are times when anger can still be justified. But we are not to continue in it for long. We have the right to respond and to control our reactions to wrongs and to sin. But we cannot allow the anger to consume us. Because if we do, then we are as guilty as the one who caused the anger. It is never a question of what has happened to us, but rather how can we handle it. It's very hard for me to control my anger if you hurt one of my loved ones. Amen? If you touch my child... You touch my parents, it's hard to hold that anger. But I have to be reminded real quick that Jesus got angry and he sins not. The gospel shows us that Jesus was very angry and he overturned the tables in the temple. In the church he came in and started overturning the tables. But however, it was because they were charging and stealing from the people. So he did not sin. This was righteous anger on Jesus' part. But why is dishonesty so damaging to the body of Christ? It's because if we are dishonest with each other, we cannot be in unity. And if we are not in unity, we cannot stand together but we then become a part. So it would divide the church, and the church would not stand. When does anger become sinful? It's when you allow the strong emotion to be unrestrained that can quickly lead you to sin. As God said to Cain, its desire is to rule you, but you must rule over it. It's time we take a hold of that desire of anger and we rule it by the Spirit, not allow it to rule us. Ephesians 4, 29 through 30. 
Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Christians should maintain a high standard of speech. We should pay attention to what we're saying. We don't need to have slander in our mouth. We don't need to have gossip. We don't need to have coarse language. Well, what do you mean by coarse language? I mean cussing. You need to get it out of your mouth because any word that you could say could be insensitive to others. And you are to be Christ-like. And if the person next to you knows that and any of these comes out of your mouth, what do you think that sinner that might be standing next to you is going to think about your walk with Christ? Words have power for either good as well as they have power for evil. But we are the church and we are the body of Christ here on earth. And we need to have the words that build up one another, not that tear each other down. And even when we have to correct someone, we need to make sure that we do it in love because we need to have the love of Christ. But because we belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit is living in us. And I want you this next week, I want you to imagine that Jesus is standing in person right next to you in everything that you do. You really don't have to imagine it because if you are a Christian, you know he is right there. He is standing right next to you. And anything you do, I want you to do it knowing that Christ is looking at you, that Christ hears you. We need to make sure that we yield to the Holy Spirit's power instead of yield, yielding to our old sinful nature. And if we say yes to the Holy Spirit, He will guide you. He will take care of you. He will take care of your actions. And you can make sure that He will make sure you are expressing kindness to everyone. It is amazing to think that our words and our deeds has an impact on the Lord himself. We are of utmost importance to him on how we live, on how we speak, and how we act can even sadden him or make him proud of us. There's an old song that says, I wonder if he ever cries. And it basically says, I wonder if he ever cries when he sees me go off the path. When he sees me sin. When he sees me fall of the salvation that he gave me and I back off of it. I wonder if he ever cries. Nathaniel Hawthorne said, words no innocent and powerful as they are standing in a dictionary. You could read that dictionary and you could say words all day and it not mean anything. But they can be potent for good and evil depending on how the person uses them when they have them in their hands and when they begin to start combining them. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. It says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. 
Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking where out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. These are not part of the Christian life and are inconsistent with knowing God. They represent a haughty spirit rather than one of thankfulness to God. Ephesians chapter 5, 5 through 7, let's look at too. And I want us to realize that we are influenced by others. Those that we associate with, they can either shape our lives or they can tear down our lives. When you say this, I sometimes think we're talking to children, but it rings true with all of us, and that is be careful who your friends are. There's different kinds of unbelievers that are listed in verse 5. Let's look at that. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6 stresses that God will judge the consequences of life not committed to him. Partakers that is mentioned in verse 7 stresses the kind of relationship in which what influences one person also can influence the other. And Paul warns believers that we do not need to allow the sentiments and commitments of this world to influence them. This was found in the voice of the martyrs. It was titled, Faithful Amid Persecution. It is not easy to be a faithful follower of Jesus when, one, teaching our family, friends, and neighbors about Jesus can cost us our lives. Two, worshiping with our fellow believers invites wholesale slaughter by Islamic militants. Three, holding fast to our faith in Jesus and refusing to pledge allegiance to any other name results in beatings, torture, imprisonment, or death. And finally, standing for the truth of what God says in his word leads to scorn, hatred, and exclusion from our communities because it is not politically correct. That's what happens everywhere else but America right now. It is happening, I hate to tell you, it is happening in America. We're just not hearing about it yet. There is persecutions going on for when you believe in Jesus Christ. But there is soon going to come a day that we do hear of ones being thrown into prison or into jail because they call upon the name of Jesus. Looking at verses 8 through 14 of chapter 5. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Who is this sleeper that verse 14 is telling us about, and how can a person wake up? 
It is the same call as Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. I have to be careful because that's a message I'm studying on. But this call is that for all nations, it's not just for one individual. It's not for a sect of people. It is for all nations, those that were previously in darkness, that we can come to light by being in the Lord. It is a whole call for the world being raised out of the death that Satan has a grasp onto us and coming into the light of Christ. The sleeper here is the entire creation to whom God has issued his call, his gospel call, that we are to get out of our lazy eyed state that COVID has made worse. Get out of our lazy eyed state and come into the light of the Lord so that we can do that great commission and bring souls out of darkness into light. Mark Batterson once said, the Christian faith was never meant to be an easy road, a painless journey, or a simple three-step adherence to a set of beliefs. To follow Jesus demands we give everything and invest all we have and are. For the one who has laid down everything for us, he gave his life for us. The question is, will we give our lives for him? In closing, if I left anything with you today, it would be the verse that seems to keep coming up a lot lately. And that's found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I plead with you this morning, no matter how dim it may look at times that you keep pressing on towards the goal of the high calling of Christ, that you keep fighting and you use the authority that Jesus gave us when he came out of the grave and he had death hell keys to death hell in the grave in his hand and that we tell the devil that he's got to get off this train i hear a lot of people say well the devil's been on my back this week it's time we tell the devil you have to get off this train now because it not until the next stop but you got to get off now i'm going to hit the emergency stop button which is the holy spirit and he has to get off right now there is a TikTok, for y'all that don't know what TikTok is, a short video. It's going around right now. And it's a little comical, but yet I believe it is what is needed in our lives. And it is Steve Harvey on Family Feud, and the two contestants come up, and she looks, and she says, one minute. And she starts saying, Holy Spirit, activate, activate, activate. Holy Spirit, activate, activate, activate. And people started laughing. And I first thought, what is she doing? She's on live TV. What is she doing? And I first thought, is she making fun of it? Or what is she doing? No, I heard later that she said, I'm showing people 
that the Holy Spirit does empower us to do no matter what we are faced with. He gives us the power. So there's a lot of times when things come around us, we need to make sure that we activate the Holy Spirit. We need to make sure that when we wake up in the morning, we say, Holy Spirit, I activate you. I give you the power and the authority over my life that you're activated now so that I make sure I walk in the anointing and in the power of Christ. We need to daily, every minute, every second of the day, we need to activate that Holy Spirit. Amen? So if I left anything with you today, it is make sure you walk in Christ's likeness. Make sure you stay transformed in Christ. And make sure daily you activate the Holy Spirit so that you can overcome anything that the enemy may throw your way. In Jesus' name. been praying 